listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Okay, good morning, everybody. So I hear that most of the world is intimidated by public speaking that that's one of the biggest fears that most people have. And I'm just the opposite. Like, this is really weird for me because I'm so used to being in front of people and I don't have that. So this is weird. This is strange. So if I seem all out of sorts, uh, that's why. Because I'm, I'm like the rest of the world right now. The biggest fear or not knowing what to do and how to, how to use my hands because I don't have anybody here to speak to. But you're there, and I'm glad you are. And, you know, I'm glad that we can, we can continue on and worship even at a distance. So we're going to keep going in our series on the book of Ephesians. So if you've got your Bible, turn with, turn with us to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to pick up uh, where we left off last week. If you are just joining us, you've never heard any of our stuff before, I would invite you to go to uh, oasischurchwh.org. And uh, from there, you'll find a link to our podcast and you can catch up on the two uh, messages that we've had leading up to this. And so you'll hear some of that background uh, information, but hopefully uh, we won't be too far ahead of you that uh, this will make enough sense to you. Even if you haven't been listening along, uh, I would just uh, encourage you just stick with us and, uh, and maybe God will, will, uh, will, will just encourage you through his word today. I'm going to read, picking up from, from where we did last week, verse number three, we're going to read all the way through verse number 14. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul goes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a section, this is a, 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 a spontaneous, if you will. It's, it's Paul going, we just need to praise God and we need to let our praises be known. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Let's pray. Father, help us as we just spend a few minutes. May our 
May our ability to communicate be accurate. And God, may we uh, just encourage one another as we hear from you. God, give me the ability to explain to the very best of your ability through me. God, we look forward to how you're going to encourage us as a result. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when we get to verse number four, this is where we're going to pick up from last week. We're going to be talking about, or, or Paul's going to be talking about, how God went about bringing all of those spiritual blessings to the believers. In verse number three, we're to praise God. We're praising God for, for His blessing us with all of these spiritual blessings. And what are these spiritual blessings? They're everything we need to accomplish everything God has called us to as followers of Jesus. Everything that, that God has asked us to fulfill as followers of Jesus, God has given us every benefit, every blessing, everything we need. And he says that they're stored in the heavenly realms. They're, they're sourced in Him. They're stored in Him. And we have access to everything He's provided. And it's always available to us as His children, as followers of Jesus by faith, as Christians. And so now He's going to begin talking about laying out well, how we're praising God because of how He accomplished this for us, this bringing of spiritual blessings. And He's going to continue to praise God the Father in this section that we'll deal with today because He chose us. How did, God, how did God bring about these spiritual blessings to us who know Jesus Christ? Well, He did it, the Father did, by choosing us to receive them. And then next week, we're going to identify what, what was the Son's role in our receiving these benefits. Well, they are redemption. The, 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 the death, the burial, the resurrection that He has provided for us in His blood. We wouldn't have these benefits if it weren't for the work of Jesus on the cross in our place for our sin and His resurrection providing justification and redemption for all who will by faith believe. And then what did the Holy Spirit do? Or, or better stated, what does the Holy Spirit do? He seals us. He, he keeps us in this realm that God has blessed us in, in, in this realm of every spiritual benefit, having trusted Jesus by faith through His redemption, then the Holy Spirit seals us and protects us until the return of Jesus. And then Paul is asking us that we praise God for what He has done. So as we get into verse number 4, and we move into verse 4, 5, and 6, we're going we're gonna to be looking at how God chose us. And I want to go ahead and tell you that, that this deals primarily in the doctrine of election. And, and, and that's a much bigger ball of wax than we have time to address at this time. But I want to assure you, I would love to have that conversation with you. I would love to point you to some resources that will help you to consider and think and wrestle with this idea that, trust me, has been going on since the early church and is not going to stop until Christ returns. But we'll get into that as we see these verses in front of us. How has God brought these spiritual blessings to us? Well, even as, verse number 4, even as the Father, He, chose us in Him 
before the foundation of the world. This idea of God choosing those who would be Christians before creation ever happened. It's the doctrine of election. And this is one of the most hotly debated and highly emotional doctrines in all the church. It has been in centuries past, and if Jesus tarries His return, it's going to continue to be debated into the future. Because we just simply can't understand how God's sovereign choosing and man's responsibility of believing work together. Am I believing because God chose or does God choose because I have believed? And at the end of the day, we won't come to the answer. If, if, you've, come in, if you've come to the answer and you know it, then I'm going to say chances are great. You've chosen one or the other. Because for our human reason, it's almost impossible, I would say impossible, to understand how God's sovereignty and man's free will and responsibility work together without contradicting one another. But here's what I know. Both are taught clearly in Scripture. And in this particular section, we're going to be dealing with what God did in His choosing. So don't go away from here thinking that I'm hyper in God's sovereignty and that I'm denying free will. I'm just explaining Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. And it deals much with His sovereignty. Even as He chose us. What does it mean to choose? It means that this word in the Greek, in all of its context, in that, in that Greek language in which it was used, it always means that the chooser was fully aware of all the choices that were available, and yet they decided on this one or these. They chose knowing all of the options. It also means that the objects not chosen weren't spurned or or disdained or disliked. It just means that knowing all of the choices, I chose this one for whatever reasons or these ones, not because I disliked those, I just chose these. It also means that this choice was made freely out of self-interest. Like it's, it's, a, it's the interest of God. Looking, He made a decision for His own interest. Not because there was some benefit to Him, but out of His own desire, out of His own wanting, He chose. And it also means, lastly, that the one choosing was not under obligation to choose. You think about the kid on the playground who's the last one to be chosen when we're, we have two captains and we're going to play basketball. And the last kid to get picked is not the very best player. And the last captain says, well, I guess you're mine because you're the last one. Well, that's not choosing. That's just accepting reality. Others have thought, well, maybe, maybe what God does is He waits to see whether or not we're going to choose Him, and then those are the ones that He chooses. Well, then that's not a choice either. That's Him taking what has come to Him, which seems logical. It's just not the meaning of the word to choose as it was used normally 
and the language in which this was recorded. It means that God knew what He was doing and wanted to do what He was doing and knowing that He was under no obligation to anyone chose us in Him. Who is us? It's followers of Jesus. Believers. Those who have been redeemed by grace through faith we'll learn in the next chapter. Those who have accepted the free gift of salvation which was provided in Jesus and Jesus alone in His death and resurrection. He chose us. Why did He choose us? He says He chose us that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Now let me ask you a question. Given the the things going on this week, how many of you have lived a life that was characterized by either holiness or blamelessness? I'll let you pick. We won't even say both. All right, so on the count of three, if you've lived either this last week, I'll tell you what, we'll make it even easier. If in the last 24 hours, I'll tell you what, we'll make it even easier. If just since you woke up this morning, you've lived either holy or blameless, meaning that you've not thought a wrong thought, you've not done a wrong deed, you've not been selfish, you've not uh, uh, been resentful, nothing in, 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 in any way, shape, or form sinful, just since you've woken up, raise your hand. I'm not. And you shouldn't if you are, because you and me both know. You've never one day of your life lived holy or blameless. So what does this mean? Well, it must mean that there will be a time in which we will stand before Him. It says, holy and blameless before Him. Well, when is that going to be? I'm going to argue that what Christ did in us is, is, is when by faith we trust Jesus as our Savior, He sets us free from bondage to sin. We're no longer enslaved to sin. We're set free. We're, we're given the ability now to trust the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding, and in all our ways acknowledge Him, and allowing Him to make our path straight. We are set free from sin. We're no longer a slave. But we still sin because what Christ has started has not been fully realized. Although... With the person of the Holy Spirit living within those of us who know Jesus as Savior, He's in the process that's called sanctification as as God's Word begins to penetrate and renew my heart and mine. The Holy Spirit begins to push the life of Jesus out of our lives so that we look and sound and act and think more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. But when are we going to be holy and blameless? I believe it's when Christ returns. And when Paul says that the good work that God has started in you in the book of Philippians, I have every confidence that He's going to complete, He's going to fulfill on that day. What is that day? When Jesus returns. When resurrection is experienced. When when the completion of all that Christ has begun in us comes to its glorious climax, and we're no longer hindered by sin, on that day, we will stand holy and blameless before God. On that day, the righteousness that is ours, given to us by our crucified and risen Savior, 
after taking our sin, that righteousness of His that was given to us will finally be realized and experienced and and visible to everyone, but most specifically to the one who chose to make us holy and blameless. And then he goes in verse number five, and he gives us the, the, I think he's saying, well, why did he choose you to be holy and blameless? I think he's saying because in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Why did he choose you and me? Because he had foredetermined, before determined that we were going to be his sons. Now, we weren't by natural birth. By natural birth, we were sons of another father. And in the Roman understanding of adoption, two things had to happen. One, the adoptee had to be released from the control of his natural father. And then the adoptee had to become the son of the adopter. But once those two things were accomplished, then the old father, the natural father, no longer had any claim on the son. And the new father had legal right and that adoptee had legal and irrevocable standing in the new home. He could carry on the family name. He could could continue the ownership of property. He had legal standing. He was no longer the son of his birth father. He was the son rightfully of the adopted. See, what Paul is saying is, We need to praise God the Father because He chose us. In His His good pleasure, in His sovereignty, we'll say it. In His infinite understanding of how it all works, He made the decision to call you, Christian, and choose you because He had before determined that He was going to adopt you as His son, as His daughter. Now that's worthy of praise. How does He do that? He adopts us as sons through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ. It's through His work. It's by faith in Him. It's when we surrender our will to the will of the One who made us and and the work of the One who died for us and rose from the dead. When we surrender ourselves fully and completely, then we are placed in Christ and in Christ we are then adopted as sons and then as sons we have access to all those spiritual benefits that will equip and prepare us to accomplish anything God has called and asked of us as His children. Now that's worthy of praise. And we're to praise God because He chose us And He chose us because He had determined to adopt us. And then that last phrase in verse number 5, it just caps it on, according to the purpose of His will. So when we're wrestling and we're we're wondering, well, why is this the way? I don't understand what's going on here. Then Paul says, He did this because of His own purposes according to his own will. I I think in in a certain point of view, he's saying, you don't have to understand how it works. God did this because he did this. You think back to the Old Testament. Why did God choose Abraham? Because he did. 
Not because Abraham deserved God's favor, but because God decided to choose Abraham. You think about the two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Well, why do we even put them in that order? Because Esau was born before Jacob. We put them in that order because God revealed that He chose Jacob to be the father of the nation out of the line of Isaac and from the lineage of Abraham. Why did He choose Jacob? I have no idea, and neither do you. Esau was rough and gruff. Jacob was a slimy weasel, and yet God chose him. We see instances of God choosing all the time, and we go, why did you do this, God? Because he did. Because that was fulfilling the purpose of his will. We say, why did God choose us to be His before the foundation of the world? Why did God predetermine that He was going to adopt us as sons and daughters? Why did He do it that way? I don't know. Well, does that mean that He he saves us apart from our will, that we don't have any choice? Of course not. He's never going to save us apart from our will. Well, that doesn't make sense, Kevin. And I go, you know what? You're right. From a human perspective, it doesn't make sense. If you try to make sense of it, you're going to end up pushing one of these off to the side. What Paul says is, I'm giving you a reason to praise God the Father. You have all that you have. You are who you are because He chose you. And He chose you way in eternity past that you were going to be His, that you were going to be holy and blameless, and it was all going to be because of what Jesus is going to do and how that's going to work through Him in you to the praise of His glory. Which is what He says in verse number 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. I think what Paul is saying here, and he's going to repeat this phrase in a similar fashion as he talks about the work of the Son and the Holy Spirit to the praise of His glory. But in this he says, to the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His glory that's characterized by grace. And when we talk about God's glory, most often we're talking about we're praising Him because of His essence, which is described as just glory. How do you describe God? He's just... He's glorious. And I think what he's saying here is that that these things that God has done in His choosing are to result in His praise. The praise of His glory that's characterized by His grace. His grace that is bestowed on us. How? In His beloved. In the Son who died in our place and for our sin. If you're a Christian, I think God clearly wants to know. In the words of Jesus, He wants you to know. You've not chosen Him. He's chosen you. You are that important to Him. He chose you freely of His will, without obligation, knowing the choices, and not disliking the others, but intending on you to make you holy and blameless 
to bring you by adoption into His family, distance and disconnected from your natural father that held you in sin and brought into His home with full access to all that He has available to work through you in every way He intends. That's enough to cause us to praise. And there's more. But that's all we're going to get to today. Even as He chose us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Christian, praise God, even in these weird times, because He's chosen you for a purpose, the purpose of His will, in Christ, through Christ, equipped with everything you need. And maybe it is that you're listening and You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've known about the crucifixion. Maybe you've heard folks talk about the resurrection. and Maybe you just wonder what that has to do with you. Well, let me just ask you, are you a sinner? Just deep in your heart, just where you live, just deep down in your mind, answer that question. Are you a sinner? If the answer to that question is yes, which it has to be, Because you know you. And my question to you is, what are you going to do about that sin? Or or maybe a better question is, what can be done about that sin? And you say, well, I'm just going to work really, really hard. Okay. Every religion in the world is working really, really hard. And yet, God's Word tells us that the best you'll ever do is like a big old heap of garbage in comparison to God's holy standard. You're going to try hard? You're going to do your best? How are you going to know if you get it? How are you going to know if you achieve it? God says, you won't. God says, you can't. But in His grace, He's done for us who are sinners what we can't do for ourselves. In His great love, in His great mercy, in His great grace, He provided Jesus, God the Son, who was born into our world so that He might relate fully and completely to our situation as human beings. He became man so that He might live a perfect and holy life, which Jesus did, never sinned. So that when He, on that cross, poured out His blood voluntarily, it would be a holy, blameless sacrifice in our place and for our sin. He died for you to deal with the sin that you can't address. They buried Him, and on the third day, God raised Him victorious to prove, number one, that He was indeed exactly who He said He was. He was God. And number two, to provide justification and the means by which to declare that your sins are forgiven by God raising him from the dead, victorious over death and sin. And then he tells us that those who call upon the name of the Lord by faith 
Those who come to Him in the name of Jesus, the crucified and risen one, trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone, surrendering themselves to the gospel, to the good news. And that is, I'm a sinner and I can't do anything about it, but Jesus died for me and rose from the dead that I might be forgiven and be made right with my Father. You ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? You ever prayed to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to save you by His grace? Have you ever said, God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that He is who He said He is. I believe that He did what He said He did. I believe that He died and rose from the dead. And I want Him as my Savior. I want Him as my Lord and God. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever asked God to save you? can be yours right now, and I'd love to talk to you more about it, but it can happen right where you're at. If that's a decision you want to make today, I wish you'd drop me an email. I wish you'd tell me a little bit about what happened. Make a comment on this post. Let us know how we can interact with you so that we can carry on this conversation. Listen, Christian, I just really wish, uh, or I say, Christian, everybody who's listening, I really wish we could have been together. And if, if things go like they're saying, there'll probably be more weeks of this. But uh, we're resilient. We're going to get this, through this together. And by God's grace, we're going to come out of it stronger. Don't fear. God is in control. You are safe in His love. If you know Christ as Savior, you are His child. And you have everything you need to accomplish everything He's called you to, even in these difficult days. We love you. God bless you. Let's pray. God, take us and use us. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. I pray for those that are sick. I pray for those that are afraid. I lift those up who are working in health care, for our leaders who are making very hard decisions. God, I pray for those who are the most vulnerable, those who are in need. I pray that you'll give them the, the courage to let us know their needs so that we can come to their aid and we can be a blessing and a help to them. God, I want to pray for everybody watching. I ask that you would fill them with your grace. Fill them with your peace. God, I pray for those that don't know Christ yet as Savior. May they trust Him by faith, believing. And God, use us in whatever way you see fit for the praise of your glorious grace, which you've bestowed on each of us. And your beloved, our Lord, our Savior, our King, Jesus. For it's in His name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Love you, church.